Hi, welcome back to For the Love of Astrophysics. This is your host Aditya Sundar, and today we'll be talking about the evidence we've gathered over time that supports the Big Bang. As I said in the last episode, the Big Bang isn't just a shot in the dark, but actually has a lot of evidence gathered over time that provides a good backup for it. So there are a lot of these evidences, but today we look into what I feel are the four most important ones. So before we get into what exactly are the evidences supporting the Big Bang, I'd once again like to stress upon the point that the Big Bang theory is still in the theoretical stage and is yet to be proven conclusively. It's not lack of imagination that makes the Big Bang the most favored theory. In fact, there are many theories that have no evidence whatsoever and barely meet the definition of a theory. It's just that the Big Bang theory does have a lot of evidence that seems to suggest that it may have actually happened. Some of these conflicting theories are the bouncing universe theory, the plasma universe theory, and a personal favorite of mine, the black hole theory. which states that our universe might have originated from a black hole present in another one but while all of these theories were talked about and discussed heavily the only one that stood out and had most support among scientists today is the big bang which is why we take it so seriously the reason is simply because to a scientist evidence is the most convincing tool There are a number of evidences that support the Big Bang, but today we'll be discussing what I feel are the four most important ones: Hubble's law, the cosmic microwave background, the redshift effect, and Olber's paradox. Let's start with Hubble's law. Edwin Hubble, an American astronomer, noticed through the telescope that galaxies and stars seemed to be moving away from earth this discovery in the late 1920s enabled scientists to calculate that everything in the universe may have once been stored in one tiny particle billions and billions of years ago imagine scientists could just use the distance from stars to calculate where everything emerged from this also gave rise to hubble's law which states that the further a galaxy or star is from earth the faster they are moving away from us this is simply because as the distance increases more of the space is expanding between the two objects imagine two close by objects in space the space between them wouldn't be that much to begin with so the amount of space itself that's expanding is less but when you take two objects that are significantly apart from each other the space between them is much more so more of the space is expanding making the objects move away from each other faster but how did we notice this well it's because edwin hubble noticed certain phenomena known as red shifts in fact red shifts themselves provide some evidence for the big bang the red shift effect is what happens when light is stretched so you see the farthest star from our earth is more than 4 light years away so it would take light the fastest thing in our universe more than 4 years to travel from the star to earth 
In that amount of time, it would most definitely experience the expansion of space, as space is constantly expanding. Basically, light travels in waves, and when this wave experiences the expansion of space, well, its length increases. Imagine a deflated balloon or a partially blown balloon. You draw a line on it and then inflate it. What do you notice? Well, what happens is the line you drew seems to be longer than it was before. This is exactly what happens with light. The wavelength of light increases when it experiences the expansion of space. Now, whenever the wavelength of a wave changes, irrespective of the type of wave, it changes something significant about the energy. For example, if the wavelength of a sound wave decreases, it usually causes the pitch or the frequency to increase. But in a light wave, when the wavelength increases, the light shifts more towards the red side of the spectrum, making it appear redder. Now, the wavelength of light determines the color of the light. So the longer the wavelength, the more it looks to be red. And the shorter the wavelength, the more it looks to be violet. So that's why we call it redshift. It's because we can determine if galaxies or stars are moving away from us, depending on whether the light is stretched or not, or by measuring how much it's stretched. The same thing works for galaxies or stars moving towards us. When the star or galaxy is moving towards us with great velocities, the wavelength gets compressed, so it gets shortened, thereby making it look bluer. Now keep in mind, the light from stars and galaxies only gets redshifted, if they are moving away from us at high velocities. If a star or galaxy wasn't moving away from us that quickly, the light wouldn't get redshifted that much. It's only because of the fact that objects in space are moving away from each other at high velocities that causes the redshift to occur. This theory by itself confirms that objects in space are moving further and further and further away from us at high velocities. It confirms the Hubble law as scientists notice that the further objects are in space, the more redshifted they are, which means that the further they are, the faster they are moving away from us. This redshift phenomenon certainly provides a persuasive piece of evidence towards the Big Bang Theory and the Hubble Law. Another very important piece of evidence that supports the Big Bang is the CMB. The Cosmic Microwave Background, or the CMB, is a remnant of the huge energy released at the time of the Big Bang. Also known as Reddick radiation, the CMB is actually the faint cosmic background radiation filling in all of space. It's quite literally the afterglow of the Big Bang, falling on Earth from every direction with uniform intensity. The CMB is the oldest light that we can see and the farthest back in time that we can look at. It is a relic of the infancy of the universe, far back before it was the cold dark place it is now, but instead from the time when it was a firestorm of radiation and a soup of elementary particles. This can be seen as a cosmic fossil which can better our understanding of the timeline of the universe. When this cosmic background light was released nearly 14 billion years ago, it was as hot and bright as the surface of our sun. The expansion of the universe, however, has stretched space by a factor of a thousand since then, and the wavelength of light has stretched it into a microwave, which has caused the CMB to cool into its present-day temperature, something that glorified thermometers known as radio telescopes register at about 2.73 degrees above absolute zero. 
Remember back to our last episode when we discussed the birth of light? It started nearly 350,000 years after the Big Bang. When this happened, every single particle started to emit photon particles and light was formed. That's the radiation that we get here on Earth. Every single particle emitted this radiation. So we get it from every single direction. Imagine that light has been traveling for over 13.7 billion years. Imagine how much the light waves would have increased in that time. In fact, the light became so red that we can't even see it visibly anymore. We can only detect it using a radio wave detector. This light wave has stretched into a microwave, a radio wave that can only be detected using this device. And you see those particles have matured into stars and galaxies. So we know that we're only seeing the particles from early times. So will this cosmic microwave background fade away? I guess that you say that it could. Basically, we get this radiation from particles 350,000 years after the Big Bang. Whatever we see right now is light from particles that has been traveling for 13.7 billion years. This means, like I said before, that it has been redshifted quite a lot, so much that it is turned into a microwave. So what about particles that were further away from the ones that we see now? To understand this, let's call the particles that we're seeing right now from the radiation A particles and the particles a certain distance away, B particles. But make no mistake, both the A and B particles are from the same time and they emitted their light at the exact same time. So the radiation we're seeing now is from light that's been traveling 13.7 billion years. What happens to the light that we receive from the B particles? Their light would take even longer to reach us. Imagine that their light takes 1 billion years longer, right? just so that we can understand it easier. Imagine that we can only see that their light one billion years after now. We would be seeing the same light from the same time period as the A particles. We would just be seeing it one billion years later, simply because their distance from Earth or the particles that made Earth was more. That's not the only thing. The radiation of light that we would receive from those B particles would be more redshifted in fact, right now, we only detect the CMB using the microwave detectors, right? And microwaves have a wavelength much longer than regular light. Imagine some light being even more redshifted than this. One billion years more redshifted than this. This would be the radiation that we receive from the B particles. This is just a simple way to think about it. The bottom line is that there are particles further and further and further away from the A particles. And so the light that's traveling all the way to reach us would only get more and more redshifted as it's been traveling for more time. Eventually, we would reach a stage where we would not be able to detect the radiation at all. The next piece of evidence we have to talk about is Olber's paradox. Picture the night sky. Most of it is black and it has tiny bright dots in the sky that we call stars. Now just think for a moment, if space is infinite, technically shouldn't every point in the sky be covered by a star? This was the famous paradox proposed by German astronomer Heinrich Wilhelm Olbers. Now imagine you, an observer, standing on Earth. Now imagine a ring or a circle around the Earth. 
which is a certain distance away with a certain number of stars in it. Imagine the ring is horizontal to you. Now, what would you see? You would see a horizontal line of a certain number of stars, right? Now, imagine another ring, right? A certain distance away from the first one, which also has a number of stars in it. This second ring would be able to hold more stars, right? Because it's bigger. Now, you would be able to see the stars from the first ring and the second ring all in the horizontal line. Now, imagine in an infinite number of these rings, each with a certain number of stars in them. Now, shouldn't you see a horizontal line, just a bright horizontal line, and each point on the horizontal line is covered by at least one star, as there are infinite number of shells, which mean infinite number of stars. Now, instead of one ring, imagine a 360 shell around the whole Earth. Infinite numbers of these 360 shells, which means infinite number of stars. Shouldn't the whole sky be filled with stars and be bright? But that isn't the case. We know that that isn't the case. The case remains that the sky is mostly black and we can only see a certain number of stars. This shows that the universe has to be finite and not infinite. This is how Olber's paradox provides a good backup for the Big Bang Theory. As you can see, each one of these evidences provides backup for different things specified in the Big Bang Theory. Hubble's law proves that objects have to be moving away from us. The redshift effect confirms that and also gives us evidence that space might be what's expanding. The CMB shows us when the first light was created. And finally, Olber's paradox provides backup for the fact that the universe has to be finite. So right about now, we're at 6 billion years after the Big Bang, and our solar system hasn't even been formed yet. Join in for the next episode, where we talk about the formation of our solar system.